This episode of Captured Pittsburgh Darkroom has been made possible by generous contributions from Friendship Perkin Brew, Small Universe, and Captured Identity. Today we're featuring the song Snake by the Red Lines. Where are you from? I, yeah. I'm from the streets of Mount Lebanon. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> the hard streets. Pull up hard, my Dodge Neon. Where I, where I gained the hard money. <laughs> selling. <laughs> Selling my photos For, yeah. <laughs> out of the trunk of my Ford Probe, yo. <laughs> Hey everybody, Adam Thomas here with Captain Pittsburgh Darkroom. Thanks again for joining us. Um, today we are coming to you relatively live from the Friendship Perk and Brew and Friendship neighborhood of, Pens- of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I forget what state. What city am I in? Oh yeah. Uh, today we're joined by John Hall of John Hall Photography. Uh, thanks a lot for coming in, John. Thank much you very much. It, man. It's a pleasure being here. Awesome. So... First and foremost, uh, before we dive into everything, because we've got a couple of really helpful goodies for people later on in the episode, we kind of want to learn a little bit about you to start off, and I'll talk a little bit about your work, and then uh, later on in the show, we've got some neat surprises for everyone that sticks around for the second half. So, sure thing. Uh, hint. Uh, first and foremost, uh, just so everybody's aware, like John and I actually kind of go back a ways. Uh, we both went to college together. Uh, I've known John for the better part of almost two decades now. So it's, yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you here in this capacity instead of, uh, you know, the usual <laughs> drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now right. Yeah. We just traded yeah. mugs. That's all. It's, it's no big exactly, deal, kids. Right. There's yeah. nothing wrong with yeah. that. Totally on, totally on, on the level here. Yes. So, so um, first and foremost, where... I mean, I know you're Pittsburgh native, but specifically, where are you from? Um, actually, so folks at home, know. Pittsburgh yeah. native until probably up until like high school years. Right. Prior to that, I was in uh, I was in the eastern part of the state. I was uh, uh, home to a Philadelphia area. Oh. And and so I. Yeah. No, sorry about that. I'm kidding. Uh, so I I grew up there. Um, my both my parents are both my parents are from Pittsburgh. So I'm kind of like born from Pittsburgh, but I kind of moved like around whenever I was younger. I lived mm. in, you know, uh, uh, Philly, um, just all over that general, the you Eastern know, PA, the, like Delaware Valley area. Yeah. Kind of yeah. There. Um, back in high school, I came back here, uh, probably seventh grade or so. And then I kind of worked, worked my way from there. Um, I'm a graphic designer by, um, by a nature. So I kind of do, do that kind of stuff. I work for the printing for the printing industry so i'm more like a printer currently that's 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 my main job uh photography is kind of like a uh thing that i do on 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 the side currently it's um more like a way to fill fill in the gaps of uh you know kind of like the the dead times that i have pretty right. much so and you also teach i also teach there yes yes um, um where where can you let everybody know where you teach uh photography? i teach at the south campus at a ccac and i teach at the art institute of, of of pittsburgh too and so um and so teaching at those two places gives me the outlet to kind of like share share my knowledge um coming back from you know college and everything i i was involved in pretty much like all the classes i could get you know like in basically i was Mm -hmm. in photography i was in you know 2d painting i was in 3d stuff like i was doing it all and and then and that kind of like 
a time where I can learn as much as I could kind of like follow me around until I could eventually teach. Right. And so I started teaching when I was 26, actually. I was pretty young. Yeah. Whenever I started teaching, I was yep. probably a little bit too young because I didn't really take it too seriously until I kind of got into like my like 30s in which things began to be a little bit more, more of like a professional setting. Right. You know, um, but it's got to um, inform your work uh, a good bit, too, I'd imagine. What's you know, that? It's got to inform your work a good bit. Like oh, yeah. it's, you know, that you uh, not to, uh, like I've noticed the 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 folks that have that graphic design background before they jump into photography, they have like this really amazing handle on composition. You know, maybe they have to learn some of the other stuff, but like they already have that part down. And like, I really like seeing work that comes out of that. Yeah, you know, kind yeah. of a photographer. So like, you've yet to be able to like pass that information on, and that feedback sort of. I would imagine, like I said, it has to inform what you're doing because you're getting all this other. You right. Know. Well, I have to stay stay up to what's happening too. You yeah. Know? So, so like all the research I do and like all the planning that I do as far as projects, I have to. You know, the hardest thing I had to learn was to understand the basics because mm -hmm. like, but by, by the time that we're like intermediate going into like the advanced level we forget how to do like the basics right you know it's like using a using photoshop right we know how to do things just because we're just motor motor sensory in, in into it so to try to explain it to try to go back to like square zero that's kind of like a hard thing to do that's kind of what i learned about with my photography and everything was i had to learn the basics as far as like what exactly does the ISO do mm -hmm. and how can you control that and where does the shutter speed come right. and like and why and why <laughs> yeah exactly why. It's, it's it's not just doing this does that it's why does it do that and how can you adjust it to make something better happen right and so that's all part of the like that's kind of where like the teaching comes really into play is really it it helps me identify what works as far as an artist and as far as a person too right um you begin to kind of experience things that uh, within your photography and you know within your graphic design that really it just kind of changes the way that you are you know mm -hmm. and, and so you begin to kind of like understand why you're doing things and, yeah. and kind of where you're coming from i kind of get the feeling too that sometimes i know with my work and i'm sure it's the same with almost everybody else uh that you go through this like periods or like eras and, that, and then like when you go back and look at like the more historic photographers of the past century you have this appreciation for oh this was their black and white period or this was their street period or whatever right. and you know it's not so much like a, a sense of boredom that compels you to move on it's more of just it's more of that learning process the always learning process and you discover this other thing and it yeah. opens another door and right, yeah. you're on to that next set of challenges and you know i think that's the most exciting part of it really. yeah yeah and you know learning learning how they do things and everything you know like learning right like the steps you had to take to get the right shot yeah you know like we were studying like the first flash and like they had um there was a photographer in the uh, in the depression era in which he would burst into people's doors and then flash them mm -hmm. you know like flash with a with, camera flash with folks. a camera flash <laughs> <laughs> and so um it was the first use of flash and like because part of that people would always stand in front of like a long a very long exposure and yeah. so it was all the portrait shots yep. and that was the first time that like a you know on-camera flash mounted you know device was used and people saw like the real world and it totally changed like the whole landscape and everything and so learning about that kind of stuff really really gives you credence to what you can do now yeah you know yeah so um you had one you've you've been featured in our 
gallery what twice now so once one, one, oh no yeah. once it was the um it was the love the lo- locks uh yes yeah so yeah. that was our um, in our february gallery that one which yes. was uh love in the bird was mm-hmm. the theme so can you tell everybody about how that particular photo came about that we ended up having in the gallery that one happened uh, by happenstance actually um i was uh on a field trip with my photography class and we were at phipps conservatory Mm-hmm. And we had a morning shoot for macro photography with flowers and macro kind of go hand in hand. And after the shoot, I was uh, walking down to a Shenley Bridge and on on the bridge, there's a bunch of locks there. And um, it just happened to be I it was the right time of day. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Still, the sun wasn't quite risen. It was like mid-March. So like it was still like the wintertime mm-hmm. you know, weather. Um, and the. The sun was perfect, basically, and so I was able to get like a lot of the color and like a lot of the the right mood that I wanted to get. Right. And so there's literally hundreds of locks, and there's these two locks that were like purple and and, and purple, silver, and then orange, and uh, just the combination of like, those colors just worked out perfectly. Yeah. And uh, that was the genesis of it. I took the photo as just like a passerby, not really putting much thought into it. And then as I looked at it more and more, and I was like, you know what? I really like this photo. Like this one has a lot of meaning to it and like a lot of feeling to it. Yeah. And like, that's how things happen usually is that you just, you, you just take it not knowing what it means. And, and, and then when you go back to it, you're like, you know what? That's the one that kind of means something to me now. Yeah. It's almost like the, 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 the fact that it jumps out at you, whatever it is, a week or a month later, when you go back and preview it, you're like, exactly. well, if it's doing that to me, it'll probably have that effect you know yeah. elsewhere so right. yeah that was a i mean it's for those of you outside the pittsburgh area there's uh there's a well they do it there and then there's the one bridge downtown that they do that on too right yeah. so mm-hmm. they you know kind of like the thing that happened after 9 11 with the padlocks that people put up in memory of different folks that passed away so for those of you that like i said you're outside the pittsburgh area wonder know what what he's talking about bridge shenley and then the, the um is it, it's not the Clement, it's the warhol i don't remember which bridge it is downtown now gosh my I, mind is going blank i i think it's God, I don't even it's either Clemenia or Warhol. It's one yeah, of them, isn't it? I think it's the Warhol. Okay, yeah, the yeah. same idea there. People will... Dave, you know which one it is, right? Uh, <laughs> that's what you get for having staff. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so that's what that is. And it just... There's a lot of people that take the pictures of um, those two bridges, especially when they get really filled up with padlocks. And a lot of times they feel... They feel forced. You know, people are taking a picture because they feel compelled because they think it's a landmark or they think it's this sort of tourist trap thing. And right. yours just had this natural in the moment, like you said, you just it was a happenstance photo, mm-hmm. and that's that's why I think that photo, you know, gra- like I'm the one that chose that one for the gallery that month, and it just it yeah. really grabbed me because that was. You know, it's weird. They they call it locks. It was it like locks of love or whatever it is, kind of yeah. named after that. It's the bridge over in Paris, right? And, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, you know, love is a, is a, you know, a lot of cases, it's a fleeting thing in an emotional sense, not the commitment side of it, but the, the emo- you know, it's a, it, your photo kind of felt that way, if you right. will, you know, and I thought that was a good matchup. Um, yeah. What, um, we're going to take a break here in a second, but what, um, very quickly, do you remember the photo that you took? And it doesn't matter if you were a kid or adult, or whatever, the photo you took where you kind of, the light bulb went off and you're like, cool, this is, this is something I want to keep doing. Like the, the thing that really grabbed you about photography yeah it was actually kind of later in my photography journey um i I was downtown shooting uh some photos and it was mid-january of like 2016 i believe Mm -hmm. and um 
it, it was during the a women's march mm -hmm. and i was down there just shooting photos just like you know just like trying to like document the whole thing and everything and and um like that was an experience that was fantastic and everything but um afterwards like the city had kind of emptied out and like it was very serene and very still and i was walking down past like the the former macy building mm -hmm. and uh there was a trumpet player that was like underneath the bridge or the uh, tunnel and yeah. and there is an area in which like it's really dark and then um only like the yellow lights are on him and everything and so he was just sitting there with his trumpet his name was glenn sturgis i remember him like i just remember hearing that noise and i was drawn to it and I was just taking photos for him, you know, and uh, just you could feel the stillness of the city, mm -hmm. you know, like like this, this momentous event had just happened. Yeah. And he was no one to really listen to him. He was just doing it because he felt that it had to be done. And to be able to capture that moment, that moment in his life and then kind of share that with like other people was just the most uh, a serene experience that I've ever had with a camera. Yeah. And that's when I like that's when I started to realize that, like, like it's fun to be like technical about it and it's fun to talk about like all the lenses you have like this and that but but to really be able to kind of like take that moment and then you know extend it beyond beyond his life and my life too like right. like that's something that really should be shared with the with the people and um that's something that really kind of stuck with me to this day that's awesome that's a great great explanation of it too about how you share those moments and why that's important um right. that's it's honestly that's one of the big reasons that we put the um, the gallery in place outside in Shady Side because there's there's this tendency when anybody hears the, the the term gallery or exhibit or whatever there's a hesitancy in a lot of people's minds because they have to enter a place that, you know what I mean there's a there's a completely separate feel you know mm -hmm. and, and some people don't want to literally step across that threshold this takes all that stuff puts it outside in their own element in a space that's public and it's open. Yeah. You're not yeah. confined by walls or, you know, it's just there. It doesn't matter if it's raining or sunny or snowy or whatever. It's there because yeah. getting people to be able to get in touch with that same extension that that photographer went mm -hmm. through to get that shot, regardless of the subject matter, there's something important there to me, you know, and I think yeah. in judging by the reaction of a year and a half plus of in that space, like I think other people get it too. So was that, I think that was, um, I mean, I know you've exhibited before, but that's, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's gotta be, I'm not trying to toot our horn here guys or anything, but it has to be a very, very different kind of a thing, a very unique yeah, uh, yeah. exhibition experience for yeah. you compared to some of the stuff you've done. Definitely. Um, to kind of build upon that, like prior that I was in Sweetwater Center, I would, I was in Sweetwater Center for the Arts in uh, in in Swickley. One mm -hmm. of my uh, shots from the Women's March um, was, was there for a for a, for a show called Turning Red, and it was about how how like Pennsylvania had turned from a predominantly Democratic state to a red state, mm -hmm. and um, that was a gallery experience. You know, white walls, photography. You know, people showing all their paintings and like this and that, and then. Like to, to kind of like juxtapose that to the Capital uh, Pittsburgh Open Air Gallery, um, it was a very unique experience because everybody had had come together to celebrate ever like you know like like the work of the masses and, and and it's a very communal experience. Yeah, the way that you set up your gallery, the way I see it is like a metaphor for what you guys are, in in which everyone's welcome and like everyone is really there. It's not just. Um, artists are submitting work. It's people right. that have other backgrounds. It's people that are psychiatrists or, or their parents, and you know, their mother first, but they're like a photographer second. And so it gives it gives people like 
that kind of like you know opportunity to show um their passion for right. this kind of hobby and or, on an equal playing field too exactly yeah yeah exactly it's, and it's there's you know, not elitism there it's right. just an open community open air gallery yeah as the as folks that have followed us from day one we have three pillars we basically built the organization on which is promotion and support but the, uh, the two uh and that's where a lot of that stuff from like our our learning events and our um or well, actually, more specifically, the community events we do, and and the gallery. But that third leg, that third pillar, is education. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually we're going to take a quick break here um, because when we come back, we're going to talk with John about uh, that component of Captured Pittsburgh, the education component. He's going to be giving you uh, some tips on natural light uh, photography, specifically natural light portraiture. Um, so when we come back, we'll be talking about that first. Got to pay some bills. We'll be back in a second. This episode of Captured Pittsburgh Darkroom was filmed at Friendship Park and Brew. They're your source for fresh coffee, Pittsburgh beer, and food made from scratch from locally sourced ingredients. You can find them at 300 South Pacific Avenue in Pittsburgh. All right. Thanks for coming back. Uh, I'm Adam Thomas here, Captured Pittsburgh Darkroom. Uh, thanks for joining us for the second half of our talk here with John Hall, John Hall Photography. Um, and in this segment, we're going to be touching on a subject that uh, actually John helped us out with before. Uh, as you mentioned in the previous segment, uh, Capture Pittsburgh was built on the idea of promoting and supporting local photographers and the communities that we all live and work in. But also there's an education component uh, that's just as important. It's part of our three pillars of what we're made of and what our organization is about. So um, as a lot of you know, um, we do work with area schools uh, on um, uh, for photo education programs. Uh, as well as uh, within the community to help educate both on the subject of photography and different aspects of the community, whether it's historic architecture uh, or different aspects of culture, neighborhood to neighborhood here in Pittsburgh. But first and foremost, this is a photography organization. And so a lot of the education components we do um, outside of the classroom are meant for those in the general public that want to learn more about their camera, want to learn more about what they can do with it. And John was kind enough to help us out last summer, uh, August of 2017. We had a natural light uh, portraiture event. We held that at Highland Park. Um, So it was a great place. Uh, It was like an automatic when we were trying to pick out a spot to host such an event. The light Mm -hmm. there is just spectacular almost year round. Um, and especially that late summer period, it's just, it's literally gold. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah. uh, John came out and gave some of his tips. And then as with most of our learn on location events, we gave folks a chance to take what they learned right in that real world setting and work with, you know, diffusers and bouncers and so forth. So what, uh, what John's going to go over here with you just for a little bit is touching on some of the things he talked about that day. So that those of you who either weren't able to make it last year that live here in the Pittsburgh area, or those of us, uh, of you, um, watching maybe outside the Pittsburgh area, you get a chance to learn a little bit from one of the guys that helped us out that day. So John, what are some things that are important to keep in mind when you're trying to shoot outdoors and taking advantage of just simply what's available uh, in natural light. Just be aware of where the light is constantly and knowing where the shadows are. Um, that's the biggest thing that I can tell you. Uh, the 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 way in which you're shooting is going to be a big issue um, or a, a big thing to kind of pay that much attention to is really to be able to know um, which, which angle the sun's coming at and is is your model going to be into the sun or is it going to be out of the sun? Right. So 
Like if the sun's behind the person, you want to expose to the person, not to the sunlight behind right. it. Because you're going to have like pocket eyes. You're going to have a really dark nose. And this is not going to look very, right. very good. And the post-production is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Um, same thing as if it's like the sun's behind the, behind you and it's hitting the model. Um, you want to definitely, you know, look at what's the brightest part of it. Is like the clothing. Are they wearing white? Is, is that going to be like a burnout? Right. You want to expose to what the lightest area it possibly will will be. But you really want to shoot with like the, the, the sunlight to the side and just get like a nice dramatic close off look. And if you can shoot by a wall or something that can kind of like bounce light back. Right. So you have like the, the, the light on both sides. Kind of soften that shadow a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a very, very good thing to be um, there with. Um, if anything can be like a diffuser, you know, like if you, if if you have one of those, that's great. Even like a bed sheet can mm-hmm. be used there. Uh, just like a white bed sheet, just kind of like you know disperse the sunlight, so you get like a nice clean look. So it's not like harsh shadows. You know, right. harsh shadows. You get like that July picnic summertime look, and everyone mm. has like no eyes and everything. Right. It looks it's very that scared. Slant like that hard. Uh, yeah. 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 The line. Yeah. 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 And, and and then you're you know if if you're good at like light removal like Photoshop, you're dodging and burning until like. You know, it you, looks fake at that point. Basically, you just spend your summer inside editing photos. Right. You don't want to do that. <laughs> so, uh, as as much practical stuff as you can is the best way to go about doing it. Um, Would you recommend folks like you know whether they have an actual balance board or they just buy a piece of foam core or whatever? Just yeah, yeah. I mean, for a balance board, just a sheet of paper, like a piece of foam core is perfect. Yeah. You know, uh, um, there's companies that have them on sale for like two bucks a pop and they're like 18 by 24 yeah perfectly amount there you don't even need like a part of the hold it up just put it like against a tree or whatever yep and that's like perfectly fine yep yeah yeah i remember like well before i started acquiring like all the diffuser uh gear and and bounce, actual bounces like the different types of bounces like mm-hmm. I, when i would do foam core i would you know clamp it to like another tripod <laughs> right you know what i mean yeah. or like sometimes yeah. um if i needed the bounce to have some shape to it like i would cut the back half of the foam core right bend it a little and you know just yeah, a little yeah. i mean you know there's tiny things like that it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg i know right. that's why a lot of photographers start off doing that just right. because either they don't understand you know the nature of different kinds of flash units and how you can apply them but mm-hmm. it's also it's a cost saver it's, you know it is you're it not is, out there yeah. trying to buy a bazillion different lenses and flash combos and exactly. triggers and you yeah know. yeah i mean you know photography doesn't come down to like the most expensive lens right it comes down to how how well you how well you can use the light that you're, right. that, like you're, you're given. Right. Knowing the locations, you know what I mean? You know, if right. you, if you have, like, I don't know about you, but like, I keep a list of that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. That way, if somebody asks, well, I need something that has this quality, why well, have a list I can go back to? And I can exactly. say, well, the light here at this time of year and this time of day is usually exactly. you know, what right. you're looking for. That way, if you know your gear and you know your location, mm-hmm. you know how you're going to be able to play with that light a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, parks are a great area to shoot in just because, if it's right outside and there's no clouds in the sky and there's no natural overcast look through it, you can always shoot under some trees and they're the mm. perfect way to kind of like, you know, diffuse the light. Yeah. And then you get some really good kind of like caustic effects. That's, yeah. fun. that's it's, it's just fantastic. And, uh, you know, you really can't mimic that really. No. Nah. So and- we did, I did a, I did a, um, uh, like a fashion shoot not too long ago when it was, there was still some snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. and we had used uh i should have probably like filmed this because it was like, like exactly what you're talking about like we were using 
some of the branches that were off camera mm-hmm. to create like kind of like creative shadows on her face, almost like so that you were highlighting her eyes that weren't in shadow, but we'd have this like on purpose, like, okay, turn your head. All right, I got this cool shape, you know, going on here that it yeah. ended up when you saw it afterwards, it was like, oh, you know, that, that looks exactly. pretty interesting. It almost felt like a superhero or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. I was doing so, a shoot in a market square recently and uh, we were using the, the, the reflections coming off of the uh, PPG glass. Oh, nice. And those were creating like some really good kind of highlight angles that mm-hmm. we can just kind of get on like the person's face and everything. Yeah. And so like that, that was a really, really cool thing. That's to a do. good tip for people too. If you don't have access to like a rural area or a big city park or something, sometimes the buildings around where you live. Exactly. Yeah. Can provide something outdoors for right. like that. Yeah. Um, there's this beautiful area that's in the strip district and it's a, it's an old garage but there's like graffiti everywhere and it's like a yellow wall with like graffiti and yeah it, it, th- this place burnt down years ago i hope they never tear it down because it's the perfect photography place right and it they should you know save it as like photo studio a oh yeah <laughs> the light and strip district in general is just like magic it, uh, it, it is there's yeah. something about that spot yeah. and i mean honestly you know shooting in the morning or like the evening is like your best time i don't actually schedule things for like the mid midday because right. it's Unless it's a little bit like overcast, you're just going to fight against the weather. Yep. You know, the sunlight's going to be too much to handle. So um, people in the morning, they usually look better than what they do in the evening, too. Yeah. 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 Well, not true with me. I'm just saying. (laughs) I was going to say it now. Um, But but, um, what uh, very quickly before we wrap up here, do you have any suggestions as far as an outdoor, like a lens of choice that you would say for people that are kind of dipping their toe in the, the center of the pool? um for unnatural light yeah. stuff is it, um, do you stick with primes do you do you not have a primes are the, either way primes are the go-to um i use an 18 by 70 uh just like a nikor and mm-hmm. uh just having that like you know like having that ability to kind of zoom back and forth works out well but like primes are the best primes primes are the best best way to go pretty much um if if you can do something that has like a very low aperture you know, to go down to like a 1.4, be like wonderful, you know, like, like, like the lower, the lower the f-stop you have, the better it's going to turn out. Right. If you have to use like a zoom lens, 18 by 70 is pretty much the like way, way to go, but primes is the best way to go. Cool. Um, anything over, anything over, I would say 18 f-stop is going to give you like some kind of weird stuff going on, but like you, with a natural light, you tend to want to keep like your, um, your depth of field as like narrow as possible right yeah right keep everything focused on the subject no no pun intended of course but <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, yeah yeah cool well um i'd like everybody to be able to uh those watching uh either home or on their phone or whatever like, be able to check out some more of your work where is the best place to to do that um john hall okay uh, j-o-n-h-a-l there's another john hall with j-o-h-n he's, yeah it's his work is, is is as good but he's not me right He's, he's uh, perpetrating my likeness pretty much. So, <laughs> um, so and, yeah, make sure you guys are looking wherever that is somewhere in this area. Here. Yeah. J-O-N. Um, J-O-N. Exactly. Yeah, J-O-N-H-A-L-L. I, and, uh, I'm a Jonathan and, by trade. I'm not yeah. just pretentious. So. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it. Uh, right. So. <laughs> That's such a pretentious thing to say. I'm not pretentious. Um, so, but, uh, so um, johnhealthphotography.com and then uh, Instagram. Um, yes, I'm at at johnhall.photography okay cool and that's it um those are two best places awesome yeah so, we, uh definitely make sure you check out this guy's stuff his portraiture especially like the stuff you've done around market square i know that's one of your go-to spots mm-hmm. but it's it is for a reason it's a 
beautiful place for photography uh whether it's corporate shots uh senior portraits senior portraits uh engagement sessions any of that it's just it's you got such a variety of yeah. backgrounds and colors right. to work with down there and the light quality is usually really good yeah and um shooting in front of the fountain is always a great time to do yeah. because you have a good it's like a blurry white wall mm-hmm. and it's rare to find those yeah so if you're patient enough and there's not enough kids there like go in the morning when the kids are not there, you're gonna have a beautiful shot. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being here, John. We really appreciate it. Thank you for and having thanks me. Thanks for the tips there too. I hope everybody found those useful too. I think uh, we'll probably get some good feedback on that. Yeah. Yeah. So in the uh, meantime, make sure you guys are subscribing uh, to the channel here. There's a little bell you can click so you're notified every time uh, a new episode is up. And let us know how we're doing in the comments. Uh, We like hearing feedback. We've gotten some really great suggestions on guests uh, lately. So please keep those coming in. And most importantly, share this, whether you're watching it on uh, YouTube or if you're listening on Anchor or iTunes or wherever, make sure, I think we're on Spreaker too. Um, And that's gonna keep growing by the way. Um, Whatever platform you're on, make sure you share this up uh, with everybody that you know, that way we keep growing this uh, thing and, and being able to do more and more with it. We wanna be able to talk to as much of the uh, creative community here as in Pittsburgh as possible. Um, because the more we all get connected, the more benefit there is to everybody involved, whether you're on this side of the camera or that side. Um, but until next time, John, always a pleasure. Adam, always. Yeah, yes. good times. And uh, same with you folks. Thanks for joining us and we will see you all next time. Take care. Captured Pittsburgh Darkroom is produced by Jason Fate, Adam Thomas, and Jason Kodat. Produced with the valuable assistance of John Hall and Dave Perlosky. Captured Pittsburgh Darkroom is a Captured Cities production, copyright 2018.